0: Welcome back. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: Welcome to part two of episode one, Coming Into Being. So Michael, you mentioned some experiential practices that we could learn. Can we go into that a little? Uh,
0: Absolutely. So first thing I'm gonna encourage everyone to do Uh, in the sense of getting into the experiential is to begin the practice of umbilical breathing. Now there's a lot of layers and details to that but the first thing that you learn to do with this uh, Daoist breathwork practice is to breathe uh, focusing on the feeling that there's an elastic band between your belly button and your spine. So take a moment and breathe all the way out and then, as you breathe in, breathe in and stretch your belly button away from your back. And it's okay to have a beer belly, no one's looking. And then breathe out and let your belly button and that elastic push your breath out. Very gently, very slowly. Inhale, stretching the elastic, letting your whole belly get big. And then exhale and let that elastic pull your body and that whole uh, container of breath together. And there's many, many parts to this practice, but that's always the first one I encourage people to start with, is to feel into the belly, feel where where your belly button is, and to feel that volume getting bigger and smaller. And uh, maybe in every episode, we'll just offer people the next step to this whole process of amiliko breathing, which will eventually, uh, over about 10 conversations, get people to the place where they're practicing what you and I were talking about when I was mentioning what people used to do in winter to kind of conserve their chi so that more people could live. Another thing that's um, experiential that I would ask people to play with in this context of coming into being, Is to feel into some states. So the first state that I would encourage people to look into or uh, feel into is the experience of self-love. So just feel into your state of self-love, yes or no, good or bad, as a quality of coming into being. And if you can choose a little more self-love instead of self-loathing. Maybe feel into the quality uh, of the way you connect to people, and think of the quality we call a right relationship. Being conscious, being honest, uh, being present, and then not feeling anxious with people because you're in the state of being of right relationship. So think of a person you have a problem with, and feel into what it would be like to drop into that right relationship and to come into being in that authentic way, to meet with that person, and to get through whatever you need to get through. There's a quality of life, uh, especially when it comes to Chinese culture, that has a lot to do with destiny, fate, or luck. As we come into being, are we coming into being in a world that is already pre-written, or a world that we can kind of make uh, respond to us in the way that we choose? Or is it really just about luck? So feeling that kind of sense of how we predict the world and how we participate in it. But as a way of coming into being, as a state of being, like how do you feel about your life? Is it destiny, luck, fate? Or what is it like to come into being feeling into the world as if the world is chaos? How do you come into being in, in the eye of your hurricane, you could say? Right? Or are you a person who would rather come into being with a kind of rigid sense of control and order? Because there's a part of our mind that's been domesticated, and there's a part of our mind that wants to me- domesticate the world and our own mind to just be in control. So as we come into being, I always encourage people to question that part of you that seems impatient and wanting to like take over. Taoism is a practice. What's it like to come into being knowing that you're always learning from your practice, not knowing stuff, just learning stuff? And that whatever it is that you know in your practice, if you keep learning, your practice is going to be a practice of impermanence and change. And in fact, in Taoist tradition, we often say the only constant in the universe is change. So how does it feel to come into being, to feel the quality of the state of being, of just being in impermanence, as your practice? So this brings us into the teaching of Xing Ming Shuang Xiu. So before I dive into that, I just want to check in with you, Alex. Uh, What was that like for you to check in with your state of being and all those possibilities of, of how we can be?
1: Definitely feeling a lot more relaxed and focusing inward on the breathing is always a really nice way to come back into your center and being relaxed and just be in this focused, present state.
0: So the easiest way to translate "Xingming Ming Shuang Xu would be to live a heart-centered life while you surf the waves of order and chaos, uh, keeping those two in balance while you move forward in your life, transcending the mundane. So in Taoist practice, at least the way I was taught, especially when you're bringing these teachings to the West, the easiest way to do this for people is to actually just talk about the chinese characters and what they mean so what i'm going to do is change the screen around a little bit for those who are watching and for those who are listening i'm going to do my best to describe the characters but it's been my experience as a student and as a teacher that Uh, kind of hanging the meaning on the image allows it to be more tangible, and it actually adds a kind of connection to the practice, because we can kind of see it in the calligraphy, you know, almost like it's a cave drawing of, of experience. So, give me a moment to do that. So the first character is Xing, and Xing, if you can see it here on the screen, is this character, and on the left of the character, is uh, a radical, or the image that relates to your heart or your mind, and specifically the way that it's uh, drawn here on the left, it has a lot to do with your perception of being yourself. The other part of the character is the character Shung, and that is actually the character for life. It's the picture of a plant growing, rooted in the ground, growing tall, leaves spread out with a little flower on the top which is an expression, especially in Taoism, for a really balanced, healthy, vital life. And in fact, we're going to learn a teaching later on in a, in a few episodes uh, called Jidao, uh, or The Way of Enough, which is a complete teaching based on just that one character. So again, the character Xing from Xingming Shuangshu is the picture of your heart next to something that represents the way life finds balance. So it's living that heart-centered life in a balanced and mindful way. When we look at the character for Ming, and this is an interesting character, um, it's the picture of a person kneeling, uh, perhaps um, beseeching someone. And the person is underneath of the voice of um, authority or the voice of organization, but it's also sitting beside or kneeling beside the voice of truth. And this character often is translated as um, life or sometimes as destiny and that's a really interesting kind of uh, place to fit in between you know what is life to what is it what is it to live life and what is it to live life with respect to how life does its thing around destiny and again that's a big part of uh, chinese culture too so we have xing the idea of your nature your character A heart-centered life. We have Ming, which is in a way beseeching the voices in the world to find a a true path for yourself in life but as life. The character Shuang is the picture of actually uh, people sharing two glasses of wine, uh, not in the sense necessarily of partying, but sharing this uh, celebratory wine or this ritualistic wine in equal measure as we get something important done. So Shuang encourages people to always move ahead in in a a practice or a process in a very balanced way, but with a sense of partnership. And then Xu, which is a really cool character, it often means just to study something, but it's the picture of a person crossing a river, carrying a sacred scroll or three silk scrolls. So when we think of ourselves going through Taoist practice, you know, the the kind of effort and work uh, going through that process, it does imply that we are carrying a sacred teaching and a sacred practice across something that goes from sort of point A to point B. So I'm gonna go back to each one and talk about them in a little bit more detail. So the character Xing is really, again, about the quality of your nature. And nature can mean your identity, it can mean your character. And in a subtle way, in the Taoist tradition anyway, it asks us to ask ourselves about your nature. Are you stuck with your identity and your ego that you've gotten from your family and the, the forces in your life? Or is it possible to reach into your sense of your nature and then reach into the nature of nature herself, or the nature of consciousness itself. Because we can kind of take the nature you're given by default, the character you're given by your def- the default of your family, uh, your teachers, how you went through high school, and stuff like that, or we can you know uh, assume perhaps that there's a deeper quality of, of the nature of being. So let's just take a moment and feel into that and feel into the choices we have with our identity. You know, who am I? If I was meeting a new person, if I was dating someone, I was going to talk about myself. What do I I want to say about who I am? What choices about who I am really matter? And what choices about who I am do I want to let go of? Sometimes meditation, I think, you know, it's kind of like dating in the sense that I'm dating the universe and I want to introduce myself. But because it's the universe and not a hookup or whatever, (laughs) um, I want to present myself as universally in my nature as I can to the nature of Tao. So this brings up a kind of discernment about who is the one meditating? Who is the one seeking the experience of your true nature? And is it possible or maybe even probable that again we, we kind of fall back into the trust game that there is a deeper authentic nature within each of us any thoughts about that or how does that touch in with you
1: i really love the it i can understand these characters a little more now like when we look at shing i can definitely see like a little tree with some leaves and the representation of that being connected to your heart kind of hits home with me there.
0: And that character, the tree with the leaves, is about a balanced life of vitality, honoring the gift of life uh, as you express life in your specific way with your specific nature. Now, this sounds a lot like we're talking about identity and ego, and we are, but we're also encouraging uh, ourselves and, and the people we share this with to feel into the quality of meaning and the strength of that meaning that allows us to change our character as we grow and as we let go of the stuff we probably don't need anymore.
1: That seems to be a really consistent Taoist concept is reducing a lot.
0: Yeah, we add until we have enough and then we subtract until we, you know, don't have too much.
1: <laughs> Balance, right?
0: Yeah. So again, a heart-centered life of vitality, resourcefulness, and honoring the nature of existence uh, and, and life as it works, you know, as we are. So there's a lot of layers to, to this teaching uh, as we get into it, but that's the, the quality of Xing as an experience uh, and as a quality of coming into being. So if you're going for a walk, you're doing some Qigong, you're in your meditation, feel your heart, feel heart-centered, feel alive, feel your nature and ego, and then feel your nature, your spiritual nature, your consciousness nature, coming into being behind that and coming through that. So we look at the character for Ming, And that's often translated as life or it's translated as destiny uh, or kind of fate in a way this is a strange thing to bring up with people and it kind of mirrors what we were speaking about with xing if ming translates as life now it can be life force but it can also just be life doing what life is doing or what you might call in english lifing so you are alive you're feeling your aliveness but you're also just feeling what life is doing when life is lifing Uh, alan watts once said that an apple tree is appling the earth is peopling life is lifing so what does that life force when it's moving through all life equally feel like now we call that kind of like chi or a kind of universal chi um, that it keeps life moving and to feel into that that feeling. So there's that really deep sensual coming into being quality. And then we go back over to the character where there's a person on their knees asking the universe to like, maybe respond in some way. you know, we all pray in a way to, to solve problems sometimes. So there's that quality of Ming, which is, how do you relate to the chaos and the order? Is life, Chaos, or is life a rhythm of of uh, seasons and cycles? How how do we predict the world? Um, and really, in fact, is predicting the world going to help us, or at some point is trying to predict what's going to happen an addiction that stops us from actually feeling the life that's lifing our life, and finding that balance between uh, prediction and and you know the what if of life, and then coming just into the feeling of being the energy of life. So there's that quality of coming into being. With Xing it's this heart-centered uh, quality of meaning. And with Ming, it's this body-centered quality of aliveness that is trying to find, a you know, a, a, how do I fit into all this? And, and how much prediction do I need uh, to keep moving ahead? But how much presence do I want to feel to actually just own my existence in some way? So if we feel into that sense of Ming, feel into your experience of luck. How's luck been as a, a thing to rely on in your life?
1: Luck itself? It seems to be mixed. I mean, I feel like if you are being genuine and where you should should be with where you are in life, then the things seem to work out a little better. Is that something related to this as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that that, that's, I'm glad you said it that way, because that's sort of the dance is, if it's all up to fate or destiny or the gods or the winds, and we can do something to get on our knees and ask them to do something better for us, then it's about negotiation and control. Right, and this goes back to the indigenous perception of Taoism and then the more industrial standing army version of Taoism, which is, you know, can I pay off the gods and get a good life here, or is it really the same for all of us? Right, and that's where luck kind of comes up to this breaking point for the mind, which is maybe I should just be as close to feeling alive as I can, and as present as I can to respond to what fate brings or what chaos brings, you know, and then then that's the game of, of practice. How far, you know, if the mind had a bungee cord to it, How far into the future can I stretch the bungee cord of the mind before I've lost my mind? And I don't mean like go crazy, but I mean like lost my tangible connection to life. So that's that idea of of Xing Ming is like, you have to really bring the mind and body together into presence by letting go of the pretense and control. And that's also a real subtle quality of Xing Ming is it's your heart in your life living between order and chaos in your town, in your family, in your house, with what's in your fridge or whatever, right? So it keeps trying to bring us into our, the eye of our hurricane, the center of our existence. And there's two feet, left foot, right foot, mind, body, right? Xing Ming, right? Spirit energy you know, in those ways. So Shuang, again, really asks us, you know, if it is a mind-body that are equal partners on the journey, um, and, and feel into this yourself, I'm feeling into this myself, am I actually walking left and right foot in a balanced way, right? If my life energy is the wine, am I using my life energy equally towards Xing and Ming? right so that i can move in a very efficient and balanced way through my life and there's a quality of this when we return to this balance that is about the sacred it's about uh, a celebration but it's also also about a kind of ceremony and and this is a tricky word man um i have to say consciously Or unconsciously, many of us are engaged in our Taoist practice, our meditation practice, because we seek a kind of salvation, right? A freedom from being separate from the world and a spiritual alignment that helps us return to something vast and beautiful that is kind of close to what religion is about. So it's in that balance that we come home to the sacred, come home to that opportunity of salvation, whatever that might mean, in a way that's a celebration in the sense of fun, but also sacred in the sense of a ceremony. So when we come into that balance of Xing Ming together, it's like a sweet spot, you know? You know, If we were to say, if there's a relationship between a man and a woman, uh, we, we would always want uh, or at least appreciate when those two come together in the most balanced, kind of union, right? Right, Because that's a big quality of Taoism itself. Uh, I would also say, you know, we think of two feet, it's also a bit of a dance, a bit of a martial arts thing. You know, you kind of have to duck and weave with the way life works. You can't always uh, be walking as if it's just, you know, all, all sacred. Sometimes it's a little bit accidental. And then the last one is shoot, which again is to study, uh, to learn, uh, to, you know we think of swimming across a river with uh, sacred scrolls it's to go through a transformational process from version a of life and you and coming into being to version b of life and you and coming into being in that way but we're, we're doing it with things that are ancient and true in the sense of those scrolls so how do we feel into that part of our practice about the swimming across the mystery about leaving behind version A, you know, Alex A versus versus beta Alex B, <laughs> you know, and, and to kind of own the fact that you don't know how, how wide the river is, you just know you need to swim. And that we are swimming in a very ancient way across a very ancient and well known river. And interestingly enough, Buddhism often talks about that too. You know, you get to one side of the river, and then you dive dive deeply into your practice of meditation to come into being on the other side of that river, uh, a more enlightened or or less tormented person. Uh, I would say it's also, um, and this is almost a bit of a a sort of psychotic thing to do, um, is to arrive in the practice knowing that you're going to lose a lot of illusion and delusion and you can't control what turns out to be a delusion about who you are. So the, the, there's a lot of risk-reward in, in that quality of our practice. So um, that gives people, I, I hope, a, a kind of rough sense of what Xing Shuangxiu are about as characters and, and is about kind of ways to be in the world. I'm just curious, Alex, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas about all of that.
1: They all tie together really nice. And the way they fit together is almost like one expression, right? So it's separate parts of a whole, just like we are. I mean, the earth is earthing people, and we're just people peopling the earth, I guess.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I would encourage anyone who's uh, new to Taoism, especially, to consciously go for a walk, one foot, represents that quality of being heart-centered and, and looking for a balanced way of being in the world and the other one is just trying to feel into your embodied sense of embodied sense of being aliveness itself and to rely on those two aspects of, of your conscious awareness or two qualities of coming into being as the beginning of your practice and after 30 or 40 years the uh, kind of underlying network or matrix of how you organize your practice. Because Xing Ming Shuang actually turns out to be the guiding practice that takes us deeper into uh, Nei Gong, and then eventually into Nei Tan, the internal cultivation of mind-body awareness, and then into the actual alchemic transformation or reversal of separation from you and Tao. So Xing Ming are very, very deep teachings, but it starts with going for a walk, and just trying to find the balance between I'm a heart-centered human being, being honest with myself, and I'm trying to feel my energetic aliveness uh, as just life. So that's hopefully uh, giving people a little, you know, um, tidbit around kind of Taoism and, and Taoist practice. Um, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I, I kind of know the answer a little bit, but for the audience, I'm curious, Alex. Uh, What brought you into Taoist practice in your life? Kind of how'd that go for you?
1: Yes, that was a stroke of luck in a way too. It was pursuing a bit of a harder style of martial arts and then having our friend Kevin's student point out that there was a better way to practice and that all those big flashy movements maybe weren't necessarily the best thing. And uh, so the next morning we would, we met at, at uh, a nice plateau to watch the sunrise, and I thought we were going to do some cool, like, martial arts stuff. And he, he just had me stand there and, and face the sun. <laughs> so I learned meditation that day and being in and having, having a way of approaching training, like, you know, work out and get it like that. But then to put that on meditation and stillness. That, that was the beginning of a lot of self-awareness training. I mean, can you really be still? And then what does it mean? And just shaking off the things, holding your body tight in different ways. And, and it brings up emotion sometimes when you're meditating. And, and it's really, really powerful, man. I was hooked after that. <laughs> so, um, nice. that, yeah, that stuff's huge. And the standing, of course. Then we went into the walking. And, and mindful walking. And then we went into mindful walking in circles. And there's a lot of cool metaphor to go <laughs> with the circle of life and stuff too. So time that with reading the Tao Te Ching and you have a really fun experience and it develops not only the way you live in your body, but live in your life in the world.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Alex. That, that, that's, uh, it's reminding me a lot of the things that I felt when I first got into Taoism too.
1: Yeah, what was that experience like for you?
0: Uh, well, context is kind of everything, especially in, in Chinese culture and Taoist culture. And my first real uh, tangible kind of like bump into the world of Taoism. Uh, I was 17 years old. I was a martial artist. Uh, training to, uh, at that point I had decided to be a martial arts teacher, so I was training almost full-time, I had a very high-level teacher at the time, and I was asking him about Buddhism and Taoism and what he was into, and his focus was more on Chan, or what people would call Zen, uh, which actually is the original practice of Taoist uh, cultivation, which is sitting in complete um, awareness and stillness in some ways. And I kept pestering him about, you know, what about this? What about this? What about this? And uh, he had said, you know, Michael, what we're going to do is we're going to go and visit a friend of mine um, whose name was Pedro Chung, and he was uh, a Taoist scholar. And um, I'll tell that story in the next episode because he he shared a really powerful, tangible kind of coming into being teaching about Taoist practice that was perfect for 17-year-old young men or boys who are focused on martial arts and uh, physical conflict and maybe a bit of insecurity, and this idea that I was gonna commit my life to training uh, as a martial artist. So my first real touching in with Taoism was being introduced to an old man uh, who blew my mind in a way by showing me the truth of what I was doing the truth of what I was doing and what it would probably look like throughout the rest of my life and what I didn't see at, at that point yet I was 17 about why it is that people do all of that work you know you and I as martial artists and, and as meditators he kind of like la- laid it all out in a way uh, that I didn't really get at the beginning you know that first time uh, but that's what we're going to learn about in the next episode is the teaching he shared on embodi- embodied spiritual warriorship. And uh, that was my first uh, experience of Taoism was someone actually asking me to drop in and feel into the purpose of all of these skills that I had committed my life to that I wasn't aware of until I was made aware of them, which was really, really cool.
1: Beautiful. Sounds like we actually both started around the age of 17 as well, which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. with this stuff. It sounds also like we had some training before that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I started when I was 10.
1: Oh, yeah, 11 for me.
0: Nice. So here we are, like Xingming Shuang two people walking, you know, along our path of Taoism. Uh, I think that covers what I was uh, hoping to talk about for episode one. I'm not sure if you want to do a, a recap or just... Uh, close the show, but um, we're all good for for what I was going to say.
1: Thank you for joining us for episode one of the Primordial DAO, Present DAO podcast. I hope you've enjoyed everything that you've heard here today and have lots of questions for us. My name is Alex Kruger. I'm joined with Dr. Michael Smith, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening in or watching everyone. And I also look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Have a great day. Thank you for exploring and enjoying Primordial DAO, Present DAO. We look forward to sharing more in the next episode.